What's up, fam? Welcome to the Messy Action Podcast, where I plan to teach you to use messy action to finally level up in all aspects of your life. We will be talking all things health and fitness, business, relationships, and more. I'm your host, Courtney Lombardo. Now let's get into the show. What's up, fam? Welcome back to the Messy Action Podcast. Listen, I do not want to talk about my audio right now. What I do want to talk about is how fire this episode was. Guys, I'm so excited for you to get into this one because obviously by the title of it, you're like, what do you mean? I don't want to fail this holiday season. I don't want to give up my goals this holiday season. I don't want to fear food this holiday season. And to that I say, me neither, dude. So let's get into how you could do all those things, you know, fail, not do well. And then also maybe some tips and tricks of how to avoid those things with none other than the Team Rise Transformations dietitian, Miss Jessie. Y'all, this girl is so freaking special to me, not only because she is the dietitian for Rise, but also because she is a friend, she is a client, she is a colleague, and she's just such a freaking who and a fire of a human. So obviously this conversation just flowed so well. When we got to the end, we're like, we could have kept this going. So hey, maybe a part two in the future. But hey, this episode is for you. If you're someone who struggles with your goals during the holiday season, especially I will say if you're a former athlete, we do talk and preach primarily to them. But this is truly for anyone. And this is our goal as Rise Transformations to just give you the real and the raw going into the season because we want to have fun too. It's life. So enjoy the episode. Play while you're driving. Do all the things because it's a little bit long, but it's so fun. Welcome to the podcast, Jesse. Now that I've kind of introduced you, if you kind of want to throw in a few words about yourself, um, and then we'll get the show started. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited and a little nervous. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm a dietitian. I love food, all things food, fueling, cooking, appetite, um, you name it. I've tried it. And so I'm super excited to talk to another gym rat and kind of just talk about our experiences back and forth, because I think between the two of us, we've seen a lot of pros, we've seen a lot of cons and we kind of have a great idea of like a healthy middle ground. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's important because I'm not perfect. I'm a human being. And I think that's, I mean, that's rise transformations kind of mission. Like we want to make it all raw and real and obtainable. And to be honest, Jesse, when I first met you and we first started talking, I was like, this girl knows her ish. Like, why did she hire a coach? Like, why is she here? Like, I was like, she knows what she's talking about. She's had the experience of working in medical like places or with working with athletes, like across the board, you've had so much experience. So to be honest, you were my first, I would say professional that I've worked with professionally to kind of help you alongside your own journey, which I think, I know that's not exactly what we're going to be talking about today, but I think it's to be talked about because we are all human, right? At the end of the day, especially during seasons like we're about to embark on, it is nice to have that form of accountability. Um, And I've always found that like super impressive about you that you've kind of showed up for yourself time and time again, being like, I want more, like I want to level up. Oh yeah. I think, um, there's a really big stigma. Um, I know with nutrition coaches, you probably know about like 
health coaches, but also like doctors and other medical professionals, there's a really big stigma that we're supposed to have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. And that we're supposed to be the experts. So therefore we don't need any help ourselves. And that could not be farther from the truth. I mean, nutritionists sometimes need nutritionists and doctors need doctors and mental health professionals need mental health help sometimes and coaches need coaches. So all that being said, I think you have to kind of put your own ego down and also just like not be embarrassed about it. You know, I'm sure there are people that think that we are supposed to have it all figured out, but like we don't. And sometimes we need a push. And for me, I know I thrive in accountability settings. I missed having a coach, missed having teammates and things that were kind of like getting me out of bed on the hard days, you know? Um, it's, it's, great when everything's perfect you can make all the best decisions because you know life's good well what happens when life's not good what happens when it's hard what happens when you have cravings and have vacations and have these things pop up where it's not an ideal scenario or an easy scenario maybe is a better word um Mm -hmm. and that's why I kind of jumped into coaching amen and that honestly leads us to our topic for today because (laughs) no time than the other to talk about not being in your routine and not being in a perfect setting because the next two months are going to be the absolute opposite of what maybe you've been working on or progressing through the last couple of months. Like you're going to have holiday parties. You're going to have gatherings. You're going to have this, that, or the other. There's going to be travel. So this is the time where you really get to test yourself and say, Hey, can I still live this healthy lifestyle outside of this routine I've built? And you know, it's, maybe controversial, but the answer to that question kind of leads you to, are you building a sustainable lifestyle or are you looking for a quick fix? Are you focused on the goal in front of you? Or again, are you building a sustainable lifestyle? So I thought to bring you on today to kind of talk about nutrition through this season. And as we were kind of talking about before, it's nothing in particular about maybe the science behind nutrition or how to get macros or how to do this, that, or the other, but it's really the emotional aspect around nutrition that kind of presents itself in this season. Um, Both of us are our experience is what leads us to you today, right? We are not looking to jump out of our scope of practice, but we want to just share our personal lived experience and maybe what we've seen through clients. Yeah, absolutely. I think the holidays are special. I think there's a lot of like really cool memories that are to be made, or maybe we have um, like childhood memories of the holiday seasons and in my opinion, no diet, no five pounds, no pair of jeans is worth missing out on that stuff. And so trying to get that through people's brains sometimes is is really difficult, especially when they've worked, you know, so hard and they've done all the right things and I've followed all the rules and I've done X, Y, and Z to get here. Yeah. And I think that fear starts to set in and that sends people in one of two directions. They either buckle down so hard I can't come off the plan. I have to work out. I have to get my cardio. I can't have that. I can't go to this gathering because I can't lose this progress or they go the other way where it's like, well, it's the holidays. So I'm just going to go balls to the walls and eat everything. And I think that there's a conscious place in between that we could linger in and arguably be better off staying in. Right. And it, it really is the most simple route but we tend to overthink it so much that it leads us to both of those extremes that you literally just like pointed out. And to find that middle ground, it's simple. 
but it's not easy, right? Because there is a lot of retraining of your brain and your mindset and some of your practices, right? That fear that comes up that Jesse brought up before is going to define the level of pressure that you're putting on yourself before the holidays. And it is going to expose it and it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt real bad because once that fear seeps around and you've been putting this mad pressure on yourself to be on it, it is going to unravel you in one of those extremes. Yeah. I think you'll, I think you'll see your weaknesses maybe become very apparent during, during these seasons. And so it's important to like, talk about it because I think people often also feel very isolated either way, right? They feel like no one's going to get it. My friends don't get it. My family doesn't get it. No one, you know, knows that I'm feeling this way. And we, we blame ourselves. We beat ourselves up. Um, but really, I think if we talked about it, especially as females, right. If we all kind of just talked about it as it's going down, I think we can help pull each other down a, down a better path. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's why I love, like, I love, I freaking love rise obviously. Um, but it's a community where we get to have that shared experience. But like you said, there is that isolation and it's not because you're not in a girl group or whatever that may be. It's just because when you go to the holidays, you're with your family, your family might not understand this whole journey. They might be like, what are you doing? What is a macro? Like what, what is all of that? And so then it's the pressure to maybe explain to them what your new lifestyle is all about, but also their judgments and they will pass them along to you gladly during this season. And that can also, if you're in a sensitive position, again, like we've kind of been talking about, it's that spiral, right? You you have the fear. It's going to uncover the pressure you've been putting on yourself. You're going to go home and you're going to be sensitive AF. If your family member is like, well, should you have another slice of this? You're going to start questioning everything. And you're like, how am I this caught up in food? Like it's, it makes you feel crazy. Right. You, and I don't know about you, but like every year it's different for me. Like every year I think I've got it. I've mastered it. Like this is my year. And then it's like every year has a different set of challenges. Maybe I'm traveling more. Maybe I have different feelings going into that time. Maybe I'm being coached, not being coached, you know, getting out of a job. I didn't like starting a new job with new stress. I think every year there's different stuff going on. And so they're, you think that you have it down to, oh, I've got this plan figured out. I'm going to have a high protein breakfast. I'm going to go for a walk after Thanksgiving dinner and it's all going to be great. And then like your next year, may look completely different. So you have to be adaptable and have those soft skills to understand what's going on around you and make the best choice you can at that time. Dude, this is all so relatable already. I'm loving this. Um, hundred percent because it's like, You have to have the autonomy. You have to have built the autonomy. And again, if previously, like to the holiday season, you've been so strict on yourself. And honestly, speaking from a lived experience years ago, you know, it would be like intermittent fasting, like this many workouts a week, like two days, like all these different things that were, you know, my successor markers. That was stressful. And that was not going to happen throughout the holiday season at all. So going from one extreme to another, you kind of sometimes let go or again, kind of the, the adverse. I'd kind of like to dive into some of the more hot topics that come up throughout the holiday season, such as like emotional eating, what to do after maybe you feel like you overate or, um, even just like tips and tricks as to like slowing down. The whole point of this episode is really to 
kind of point out the things that would ruin your progress going into the holiday season. And no, that's taking a very negative approach to it. You can be safely assured that we are going to give you the tips and tricks to overcome those things. Because if we're being honest, the things we're going to point out today are already in the back of your mind. They're things you're already worried about, you've dealt with, you understand. So we're not coming at you to input fear, but really to take those things that you're already worried about and give you some tips and tricks and tangible takeaways from this episode. So we're going to start with emotional eating. Um, Jesse, have you ever dealt with this walking through with a client um, or what is kind of your lived experience with emotional eating? I would say of all of the um, bad habits I ha- I have, <laughs> As far as eating goes, the one that always gets me is emotional eating. Um, just because I think it's hard. It's hard to take away the human aspect of like, you know, you think that it's going to make you feel better in the moment. And especially with like sad or bad feelings or stressed feelings, um, it feels really comforting sometimes. You know, food is always there for you. Um, it brings you a lot of joy. It's sweet. It gives you like a sugar buzz. And so... Um, I personally have done a lot in the last year for like mindful eating and trying to just, um, really slow down or really kind of evaluate how I'm feeling before I start. So if it's a snack, if it's a meal, if it's a party or anything, I just give myself 10 seconds. I take like, you know, three deep breaths, you know, hold my breath, almost like a box breathing. Right. Yeah. I'm just like asking myself, like, how am I feeling? Like, how hungry am I? Like, how am I feeling? Am I excited? Am I anxious? Am I nervous? Am I stressed? Am I sad? Um, and I think a lot of times just like, I guess I'm not saying them out loud, but saying them in my head, just acknowledging, like, I'm so nervous for this Christmas party. Like it's a bunch of people that I don't really know. I'm in like clothes that I'm not normally in. Like, I just feel nervous. Yeah. If I say it to myself before I walk through those doors, I already am aware that like, if I do start snacking to not just snack, cause I'm nervous. So like, maybe I find something else to do with my hands. Maybe I hold my phone in my hand. Maybe I put my hand on my friend. Like I do other things that aren't just go straight to the snack table and start munching. Right. Like, consciously. So I'm, I'm a, I'm a nervous, like I get to a party, especially like holidays, right? I get to a party, I'm nervous. And I just like go to the snack table and start like snacking because it fills the awkward void in conversation. You're so not alone. I'm like, the snack table is my safe space. Like maybe no one will come up to me during this. Or it's like, you're doing something and like multitasking always makes like a social encounter a little bit easier. I don't know what the psychology behind that is, but I think we can all kind of like, we're literally like, I could feel that. Like I was literally picturing myself walking to my aunt's house, like the whole thing. So it's like, we're all, we all know what's coming. And I think the biggest thing you pointed out was just awareness with it saying, Hey, I know that this is a pattern of mine. Like I know that when I go to a party, like this is what I do. I know that the holidays bring these feelings for me. Maybe, you know, it brings up bad memories. Maybe it brings up great memories, maybe whatever memories or, you know, emotions you hold around the holidays awareness is key, knowing what you're walking into, because then that's where you get to come back and start what like what I like to call it with my clients is the rewiring, right? It's like, you have to notice what's going on to be able to make any sort of change. So I think that that's huge. Um, and I like that you pointed out just slowing down. Um, <laughs> I did all this. 
I did also picture you like looking at like a charcuterie <laughs> being like, am I happy? Am I sad? <laughs> like out loud. <laughs> Could you imagine? You're like the crazy kid. They're like, she's really lost it this last year. (laughs) Um, You're driving in the car, you're parking, you got to walk in. I'm like 10 seconds, take 10 seconds to just, I mean, another thing is like your hunger cues. Like how hungry are you? Like, are you level 75 starving? Did you eat before you went? Like how hungry are you really? And then making sure that like what you're about to consume reflects that accurately. Dietitian Jesse in the house. She bringing out I the mean, shoes. And that's the science of it. But it's like a lot of times we love our grandma's cooking, or there's always like a special, like I have to have my grandma's wreath cookies. They're my favorite cookie. I wait all year to have them. I don't make them any other time. They are my favorite. So I always walk in and know that like, that's my sweet, like that's my dessert. That is what I want. I like, yeah. I need it. I don't know if it's like an emotional thing or like, it's literally that good. I know I'm going to be having that period end of story. So then like I walk in and I'm like, okay, like, what savory foods do I have? What like maybe like proteins can I have? What vegetables, goodness forbid, can I put on my plate? Because yeah. like, I know I want that sweet. So I'm not going to load up on two plates of cookies and then be like, oh, wait, forgot my favorite one and go back again. Amen. Amen. And it's, it's that, you know, there, there is scarcity around the holidays And that's a huge reason as to why we fall into the emotional eating, the overeating, all those different things, because there are foods and special things that we have at that time of the year that we deem that we're unable to have for the rest of the year. And like, fun fact, y'all, you could make those cookies in February, or you could make those cookies in June. Like no one, no one is holding you back. So the food's not actually scarce. But we, we put it on our minds that it is. Mm-hmm. So I think understanding that and giving yourself the grace of being like, this food in front of me is not going to disappear forever. I will see it again. That's hard. I mean, it feels hard, right? Like Thanksgiving food. So hard. nothing. You can literally buy that year round. Right. I, I think last year I had Thanksgiving and a week later I had Thanksgiving food again because it was so good. And I was like craving it and it was all on sale. And (laughs) for whatever reason, that was the best idea I've ever had because during Thanksgiving, I was like, this is so good. Um, I'm going to share this time with my family and I'm not going to gorge myself till I have to go lay on the couch. And then a week later, I feel like I didn't like get enough and I just made it again. Yeah. And so not end. <laughs> right. And you're like, I can't have this again. And I'm like, leftovers are phenomenal. Do we like look at the Thanksgiving meal? Of course, outside of like the level of food you're putting on your plate, but it's like protein, carbs, fats, micronutrients. It's yeah. a gorgeously well-balanced plate. Like that is something you can make for a meal prep, honestly. Yeah. We just don't we just don't think about it because we associate it being, like you said, like scarce. It only comes right. once, once a year. So we gotta go, go, go. But like, we mostly work with adults, young adults, but adults, and that's not true. And you have to, you're the adult, you get to decide if you want Thanksgiving dinner in three weeks, make yourself a Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. And so like, to kind of conclude that, I think that it brings a sense of peace to just have that conversation with yourself. If you want to journal about it, whatever. I know that these things, you know, if you're maybe not relating to what we're talking about right now might seem crazy, but it's kind of like, if you know, you know, like if you know, journaling is going to help you about this, 
take to the journal. I can never express it enough. Having a conversation with yourself about food and what it means to you is a game changer. And like you said, like you want to be able to go to the event and like enjoy the people versus the food. The food is an accessory. Um, and it's fun. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, food is only fuel. Like those cookies probably bomb. Like I kind of want one now. Um, but it's fun. It's culture. It's memories. It's all those different things. So allowing that to happen too. So in your opinion, let me flip the script. Let's go. Your favorite thing to tell clients or what is your favorite advice or tangible tip to give people when they're, when they're going into a party and they, they normally overeat. Hmm. On the contrary to a lot of advice I have heard in the past, which is make sure you eat something before, be satiated before. Um, I don't actually give that advice, not for the holiday season, because typically during the holiday season, you know that there is going to be some form of protein there. You know that there's going to be like carbs and you know there's going to be micros. You know that those things are going to be there. We also know the other things are going to be there as well, but it is just it's that like what you mentioned earlier, taking a second and in general with emotional eating with my clients, I have them walk away. That is something I have them physically do. If this is something that like occurs for them often, I say, get away from the situation you're currently in. If you come back and you're still craving that food or whatever it is, then go ahead and give yourself a serving of it and enjoy and then come back if you need it, you know, keep asking yourself, but give yourself the time away from it. I think that a lot of the times it's that fast act. So you're in the party, you see someone else grab a cookie. And you're like, yeah, I could do that too. We're in a conversation, whatever, but walk away from it for a little bit. As long as you're not in a conversation, <laughs> um, walk away from it, talk to someone else. And if you're still thinking about the French silk pie or whatever it is, go back to it, have a slice, enjoy it. And just continuously check in with yourself. And again, it's the same advice outside of a holiday party or party when you're just caught in an emotional eating situation. Can you go for a quick walk? Like I've literally had clients who struggle with like nighttime eating or like overeating then. I'm like, can you walk around your apartment for a quick second? Like literally remove yourself from the situation. Sounds dramatic, but it will literally change your life. Yeah, I think um, being aware with, yourself and your habits is huge, but it's, it's a, it's a dignity thing. We don't want to admit that we're doing it to ourselves. I think a lot of times we want to blame, well, they didn't have very many vegetables. There wasn't a lot of protein. So I had to eat, you know, had to go over, I had to do this. And I think it's really hard and this is going to be harsh and I'm sorry. I'm so empathetic to people. I am. I think this is kind of harsh, but I think I've told myself this. So I know a lot of people could probably stand to do the same, but like you did put yourself in this position to an extent. I'm willing to say 75%. Yep. Okay. I'm just going to say it. I love it. Bring you know, it. We do it to ourselves a lot of times. And so I think like we also can be our own solution, right? Like you said, like getting up and walking. It's not about the specific diet that they're on. It's not about the specific food that they're about to eat. It's not about how much money they make or where they live or what they do for a job. It's really not about that. It's about you recognizing your own habit and emotion. Yeah. Being accountable for it. Mm. Give it to them. I kind of keep saying it, but it's true. And I think that you don't want to blame yourself too much, but you do have to be accountable. I, I love it. I stand by it a hundred percent because is this the year you're going to finally make a difference? You know, 
nothing changes if nothing changes. So it is that integrity with yourself to say, Hey, I set these goals for myself. I know that if I am to overeat at this party, that I spiral after that. I know that that happens. I know that that is a pattern of mine. So yeah, identifying and then rewiring and then holding yourself accountable. And that's the hard part. If we're going to be honest, it's not in that. It's less of the identifying. Like you can tell yourself what's going on. Um, the rewiring maybe takes some, you know, professional help, whatever that may be, but the accountability that will always be on you. Yeah. And I think you have to seek it out. If you aren't someone who can do it by yourself, I personally am not. Um, I know that relying on your family is usually not the best accountability system. I know that relying on your significant other is not typically the best accountability system. And so it's, it's really nice to have like a third party opinion. (laughs) It doesn't have to be a stranger, but like, you almost need that like person from the outside looking in being like, Hey, um, you know, I know you overate, but like, did you take that minute to take a break? And you're like, yeah, you're right. I really didn't do that. I kind of just dove right. in. You know, I think sometimes you need that person from the outside being like, you know, did you? And not yeah, calling you out literally. Way, but you know, they're calling you out because you've you've asked for it or you seeked it out or you've let them know that like this is something that you want that help in. They're not giving an unsolicited opinion necessarily. Right. Um, but it's it's hard. I can't, I know I can't keep myself accountable. I do better when someone is saying, you know did you hit your steps? And I'm like, well, yeah, I hit them all except for two days. And they're like, okay, well, two days, uh, two days. <laughs> right. And like, when it's yourself, it's so easy to be like, well, I was having a bad day on Tuesday. And so I didn't get my walk-in and then Thursday I got stuck in a meeting. And so then I, I you know, I couldn't get my steps in and they're like, so you didn't long story short, you didn't do it. <laughs> and you're like, they're gonna, they're going to consolidate <laughs> your bullshit and be like, it comes down to this. So at the end of the day, I think, you know, we all have to be honest with ourselves. Yeah. And I totally agree. And, um, my newest hot take is accountability. I've been thinking a lot about accountability and having it and all these different things. And I have a coach too, by the way, guys, I hired a coach this year. I'm a coach. Like we all need something. Um, but that coach is not going to be there at that party with you to slap your hand or be like, no, don't do that. Or go for a walk, go do this. Right. They're going to give you the initial advice. They're going to give you the initial protocol that is fit to you and what you need but it is up to you to fulfill the protocols like wants and needs. So it's, I signed up for something. What is my why? And can I fulfill it? And it, it really comes back to ownership. Like you can get all the accountability in the world. And again, like Jesse was saying, like that third party is so nice. <laughs> Let me attest to it. It's very nice. But my coach isn't coming in here and being like, go to the gym. Like it's just not happening. Right. Sometimes I think I wish you would you posted about this actually. And it was really good because in the fitness industry, in the nutrition industry, people don't have success and they turn around and they blame me as the coach or as the person who was helping them with a meal plan or helping them figure out what their goals or habits were going to be. But like, I always tell them if I could go into every client's house and if I could hold their hand and like absolutely a hundred percent help them do it, I would. I'm just one human being. I can't do that. And to be honest, nobody wants you to reach your goals as much as you do. I don't know how many clients you see a day. I see, you know, 10 to 15 people a day, yeah. different people every day for months and months and months before they start to circle back again. Right. So like, and that sounds bad. It's not that it's not personal, but like, you know, you all, you care about yourself more than anybody, no doctor, 
no coach. No, no, we, we physically as humans do not have the capacity to care about you more than you do. Right. So if you have a goal and you want to do it and you aren't succeeding, we can absolutely help you. We can give you tools. We can give you advice. We can be, a, a you know, the shoulder to cry on when you're having a bad day. Absolutely. I, I really enjoy doing that. Um, but when things go wrong, before you start to point at the plan or the program or the coach or the gym, what, are you truly doing what you said you were going to do? Period. It comes down to that. It really does. And like, Dang. I had some people message me and they're like, is this targeting me? I'm like, it's honestly not. It is honestly not. I can promise you that this is something that this industry sees time and time and time again, because it's frustrating. This takes time and to learn all these different strategies to going into emotional eating and to stand up for yourself and have the ownership. It doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come naturally for most of the population. So it can be extremely frustrating, but like you said, no one's going to care more. Um, I know that we care, like we're very empathetic people and like, I'll take it on. Right. It's like, well, is it us? And I'm like, no, because at the end of the day, I could give someone the most basic program, the most basic shit in the world. And it would still work if they did it consistently. Right. Or on the vice versa, you could give somebody the most detailed, complex, specific, crazy program. And if they do it 60% of the time, at some point it's not going to work anymore. Right. 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 It might work really great at first. And I think all things are like that. It works so great for like, you know, two weeks, four weeks, six weeks. And then when you, when you stop seeing the progress, you start to, you know, oh, I can, you know, I can get away with doing this, you know, five days a week, four days a week, three days a week. And all of a sudden you're not progressing and you're saying, well, what the heck I'm doing the same workouts. Right. You know, sleeping. Are you doing good nutrition? Are you having good habits? So it's, it's like you said, it is industry-wide. We see this across the board. Yep. And to bring it back to the holidays and everything and like kind of what we started with, um, it is the difference of, are you building a sustainable lifestyle or are you only oriented around the goal, which it's always fat loss, right? <laughs> Add diets, you know, new diet. you're going to start to see more and more commercials for gyms, for nutrition plans, for food services. Um, and people get sucked into them because they're flashy and they make these promises of, lose 10 pounds in two weeks or, you know, be, be a new you by new year. And you're like, well, pff, I want to lose 10 pounds in two weeks. I want to, yeah. I want to be two pant sizes down by Valentine's day. And so people jump onto these without any, you know, you always say why, but it's also like, you know, they jump onto these thinking of a quick fix. Right. And my personal bone to pick, and I'm just going to say it. I hate the keto diet. It, I think it's stupid this isn't even a hot take. I speak very boldly about this and I have medically prescribed the keto diet to people with epilepsy before. So this is coming from like a, I understand its purpose. I understand how to technically do it. I think for 95% of the population, that is the worst diet you could be on. Um, you need carbs to function. You need them for your brain cell. You need them for your brain. Um, you're putting your body under a lot of stress by forcing it to do something it does not naturally and inherently want to do. And we come right around to holiday season and all of a sudden, oh, everybody falls off the bandwagon because there's cake and potatoes and rolls and all these really yummy carbs. And it's like, okay, well, had you thought about that off the bat? Is this something I can sustain? Can I do this for a lifetime? Don't think six months. Don't think six weeks. Can you do this forever? Right. 
Can you work out seven days a week forever? Can you run 20 miles a day forever? Can you only eat chicken, broccoli, and rice forever? And if the answer is no, then you need to look elsewhere. Period. And wait, just to clarify. So you do not like attest to it for the typical population, general population. You're like, heck no to keto, but in a medical setting, it is okay. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, typically it's people with brain disorders, seizure disorders, epilepsy disorders. Um, and I actually had an athlete. So someone who's performing at a college level who has seizures and his doctor prescribed a ketogenic diet. And it was my job to explain to him like how to do that as an athlete, because as an athlete, his carb demands demands are higher than normal. So he, he gets away with eating a little bit more carbs. Um, and there's research on this, but we basically put him on something called a modified Atkins diet, where it's like a step above keto, like a little bit more carbs than a true ketogenic diet, but like it can be done and it, it really did help his seizures. And so it's like, it does have a purpose. I do recognize that. And it was a tough pill to swallow for me because I'm always like, I hate it. <laughs> um, but like this kid genuinely needed it and he was scared and he cried because he thought I'm never going to eat a cookie again. I'm never going to get to enjoy a team dinner with my team again. Like that's really scary for an 18, 19 year old kid to hear. Yeah. Um, so just like, I understand, I see it work for a very specific population. I don't think your mom, dad, brother, whoever, who lost 20 pounds doing it, like how long have they been doing it? Are they still doing it? Right. I mean, like I have so many follow-up questions. Um, and from a medical sense, I'm yet to see research to say that that's not going to affect people down the road as far as like coronary artery disease and that kind of thing. Um, because again, everything's great short-term. Right. You can lose 10 pounds in two weeks if you really wanted to, but like. And keto is honestly still a fairly new fad. Like that really only like presented itself a few years ago. Yeah. And it was all the rage because you do lose a ton of water weight very quickly. And so the scale drops fast and people love it. They get to eat all the things that they were told not to eat during the carb ban. Right. Like Like, they're having bacon, avocado. (laughs) Like, yeah, it's honestly gross to me but you know you do you boo yeah, um, if you grew up in the if you grew up in the 90s or the 2000s you were an adult and you were doing weight watchers and you were doing all these things where like you couldn't right. have any fat fat free fat free cookies fat free cakes fat free low fat margarine all these fat free things to be told to eat fat and lose 20 pounds sounds pretty dang good right and they're like pile the fat on now all of a sudden and I could go off about keto too, because there's literally, I forgot what it's called, but there's an illness that you get within the first like two weeks of starting the keto because it's basically, yeah, people literally get sick without carbs. Is that not enough to say, Hey, maybe your body's not functioning optimally, but they think, Oh, well then afterwards it's fine. (laughs) I'm just like, you know, I get it lay person. You don't understand the physiological what's going on underneath. And they think, well, you know, I felt good. I didn't have brain fog X, Y, and Z. And it's like, yes, you don't have that now. What's going to happen when you eat carbs again? Cause, Cause you will. Most you will. of these people aren't sticking to this. That's the other thing. They do it. They get off it. They do it. They get off it. They do it. They get off it. So it's like, what happens when you get off it? Oh, you gain all the weight back and you feel really terrible and you just gain more weight. Okay. That sounds not fun for me personally. hundred percent. And 
like you're saying, like with the holidays and stuff, it's only going to uncover this all. Like the fact that you can't stick with it. The holidays uncover a lot about your health and fitness journey. So this is your moment to say, hey, what I'm doing is not sustainable. Where can I make a shift to make this a lifelong lifestyle? Like I just, I want to feel good going into the holidays. I have personally been that person who has left the holidays feeling absolutely the worst ever. I'm like on the 1st of January, I need to start something. I need to do something because I overate like 10 times this last week. And then I said, F it, let's eat it overeat 10 more times. So then it just puts you into the season of like more, more, more. Then it's like, what do I do to recover from this? Versus some of my holidays past, I've really started like, and like you said earlier, everyone's different, but you learn more and more every single year as you start to take a stance in one way, shape or form. Are you going to be able to heal everything that you kind of go through in the holidays in one holiday season? Probably not, probably not. But pick one thing and focus on it. Be like, I really, really, really want to focus on intentionality with the foods I choose. That's it. Like creating one goal for yourself is huge. Um, And I know we've kind of been going for a while, but I do want to talk a little bit about what happens when someone does overeat. Like as a dietitian and someone comes to that next day or, you know, after a few days and they don't want to admit it and they're like, I overate. And I feel awful, like I feel shameful, and maybe they didn't want to tell you. And also sometimes maybe they use the word binge. Um, I think that's another conversation to have the difference between overeating and binging because there's a big difference. Yeah. Um, do you want to have that conversation now? Or <laughs> Yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay. Overeating is where you, you eat past fullness, you're uncomfortable, um, you're bloated, you may even physically be ill. Um, but overeating is a short lived, it is, you know, maybe a thousand or two calories over it's, you know, again, it's overeating past fullness. That is what the definition of like overeating is the definition between overeating and binging. So overeating is eating past fullness. Binging is literally like blacking out. I do not feel anything. I'm eating 10, 20, 30,000 calories to the point of physically vomiting, you are overstretching your gastric. You are going to be sore for days. You can, you can feel it in your, like it is a, it is a mental disorder. It is not a physical feeling of just, Oh, I overate. I'm uncomfortable, whatever. When people binge from what they describe it to me is like, you genuinely like it's an out of body experience and it's something they do in isolation. It's not something they're doing in social settings. That's another big piece of binging. They hide and they go alone. And I'm talking like an excess of like 20,000 calories over, like a lot of calories. The odds of you doing that at a Christmas party in front of other people are slim to none. hundred percent. I'm glad, I'm glad that you made the distinct difference though, because I think it is huge. Even when clients will come to me and say, I think I binged last night or I was binging and Honestly, even using that terminology with your actions does something psychologically to you that I feel like puts you in a position that you feel like you can't heal from just by using the word binge versus overeating. If you can take the stance of, hey, I overate last night, it has a whole different ring to it than binging. Yeah. I think overeating sounds like something that you can, you can overcome, right? Like Right. Over eight, but I can do X, Y, and Z. And like, that feels very easy saying I binged feels like a very definitive end. Like I binged the end. Right. Right. So I think if people say I over eight or I feel like I'm overeating, um, 
I think there are things that you can do after <laughs> to kind of cope with that process your emotion. I think that's step one. Why did you overeat? Right. Were you starving when you got there? Were you upset? Was something else going on? What were your emotions? Why? For me, it's typically like I went in starving. I wasn't paying attention. I didn't take that moment to check in with myself. And next thing I knew I was three plates deep and I didn't get the food that I really wanted because I was eating all the snacks that were out. Well, then the meal comes and I'm going to eat that too. And then I was like, you know, I kind of wish I hadn't gone so hard on the snack table and maybe waited for dinner a little bit more, but like, just go through that process. Right. Like that little scenario. Um, I know as a coach, do you recommend people get moving after that? Or what do you recommend after overeating? Like the full thing? Yeah. Like, let's say you like, shoot, I don't know. Thanksgiving, you eat so much food at Thanksgiving dinner that you like have a stomach ache, like have to lay down on the recliner. You do not feel good. Yeah. I mean, as a coach, I'm like, I mean, you do you that night, honestly, like you're, you're kind of in that moment where it's like, you're not going to get up and go for a run. Um, if you can get up and go for a walk, um, it's something I've done before where I'm like, I am in a situation where I'm feeling really full. Like if I continue to lie down and kind of just let this food, like sit in me, I'm going to feel worse. So something I've learned for myself is if I can get up and move, I will. And sometimes in a social setting like that, um, my family kind of knows, like I like to go on walks, like post-meal walks. So I've kind of trained them in a way to be like, I'm going to go on this. Does someone want to come with me? Over the years, I've gotten more and more people to go with me. So it's again, it's kind of training the people around you to learn what your lifestyle kind of looks like now. Um, But that next day, I think that we can often put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Like, I got to burn this off. I need to sit in the sauna for an hour. I need to do cardio. I need this, this, that, or the other. I think (laughs) guilty, 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 guilty of every single one of those. I've done it. I've been there. I've done it. And all I can say is you're not going to, you're not going to burn it all off. You're just not. And, um, it's going to help you way more to get movement. I absolutely think that you should like do some, some sort of movement. Something doesn't have to be your typical program. Yeah. Just walk. Yeah. I mean, black Friday, let's go shopping, get up and go. Like it just has to be so simple. And I think that we try to make it more complex because, I've heard it before it goes around and it really is just a few days of the year that these things happen. And we can assume that you are going to overeat a little bit. Let's just put that out there. You're probably not going to eat your maintenance calories. If you do kudos, let's go. (laughs) If you overeat a little bit, just understand we all probably did. And just doing the natural things and feeling good is what you're searching for. Not punishing yourself. Yeah. Next day is huge because you're right. People do go to the gym and immediately are like, I have to be on this treadmill for an hour. I have to do the hardest workout of my life. I have to, I have, it's like a have to, yes. and like the same thing with food. Okay. I ate really bad yesterday. I have to eat perfect today. And if I don't eat perfect today, I've failed. I've gained, I'm, I'm already over budget. Like I cannot afford to eat bad today. And like, that's not true. Right. Like your body doesn't just like at midnight, like reset, like boop, boop, boop. Okay. New day. Are you going to do it or not? Like, that's not how it works. It's this rolling timeline. So like, yes, you overate. Okay, great. Get up in the morning, have a glass of water. Do you normally make breakfast? Make a breakfast, have some eggs. Maybe you have some eggs with some mashed potatoes that were left over. Yes, that's what I, like. I think there's a balance and I think you have to, and I'm not saying rush, but like try and fall back into semi your routine 
as far as digestion goes, you're going to feel a lot better to get back to your like meal times, your meal size, your, your movement, like the faster you can get back into that kind of routine, your digestion and your body will account. Yes, you overate and it will probably get back to its rhythm faster than if you go super hard and then you go, oh my gosh, I can't eat anything and I have to work out. Your body's going to be like, what the heck is going on? It's going to get worse. You're not going to be able to poop for day. It gets better. <laughs> Don't do that. A hundred percent. And that's something that's not talked about is post overeating digestion. That's a good one because <laughs> there's one or two things that can happen. And it's just very individual experience, you know, can run right through you or it can back you up for days on end. So I think that's huge is meal timing the next day, getting oh. back to that routine. I focus on fiber. That is absolutely kind of a non-negotiable for me after a day of overeating. It's like, get some fiber and make sure that that's good. Cause typically when I overeat, it's probably not super high fiber depending. Right. Um, there's another thing I was going to say. Shit. Things are good. I haven't forgot this whole time what I was saying. Damn it. Okay. High fiber. And, um, Oh yeah, yeah. I like what you said. And I liked what you said about adding mashed potatoes into the breakfast. Um, I don't think I'd personally do that, but adding some of the leftovers does something so good for your psyche to, again, instill that conversation we had earlier about scarcity. It's like, I could still have a, have a piece of pecan pie the next day. It's still here. Didn't go anywhere. Exactly. I, it, it helps immensely. And if you're traveling and you don't get that control, that again, that's part of it. We're like, you go to your grandma's house and you leave and maybe, maybe you can take a little bit with you, or maybe you go home and the next day you go to the grocery store and you get a half price Turkey and you make yourself a little Turkey or a little bit of stuffing or cranberry sauce. Like if that's something that you feel like is going to help you, I think it's super easy to incorporate those things the next day. And it does in my experience really help with the mindset of like, I'm never going to have this until next year. So I have to eat all of it. Yep. A hundred percent. And this is applicable all throughout the year, guys. If you find yourself overeating on a super or certain food item or fearful of a certain food item, just having it around and making sure that it's not scarce. Like you can have it every day. Maybe that means you're plugging into your macros. Maybe that just means you make sure you have it every day. It just instills into your brain that it is not scarce. Yeah. I think that's a really simple tip, but it goes a long way. So far. Well, cool, dude. I feel like I feel like that was good. I, feel, I can't tell how long this has been, but I, I think it was a two-part episode at this rate. Lord. <laughs> There's oh so much God. good stuff. I didn't think we were gonna be able to talk for so long. I love it. Um, well, cool. I'll do my little exit. Well, thank you so much, Jesse, for coming on the show today. Um, uh, where can everyone find you? Oh my gosh. Thank you for asking. (laughs) I am a nutrition nerd. So if you want to look up some fun facts or see some goofy nutrition videos, or maybe learn something, I am on Instagram at the.hungry.rd. Um, and I also have a Facebook with the same title, the hungry RD. And so that is where you can catch me. Um, yeah, go ahead and follow me. I love to meet people. Um, but super happy to have you on today. I had so much fun. Um, y'all know the drill. Go like, follow, subscribe to hear some more from Messy Action. And that's all I got. Bye, guys. <laughs>